Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, the men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. like the sky. Welcome to Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil. Good to see you, my friend Daniel. Hello. Always again, this is kind of a way that we're also being friends, continuing our friendship is just doing these, these uh, combos. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. Hey, today we're going to have a guy on named Jordan Rogers, and Jordan is a rad dude. One of the things I'm looking forward to talking with him is his love for myth and story and how yeah. he's helped brands and people in particular uh, take what's happened in their past and turn it into something of value to themselves and to society. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to save his name, the name of his company that he's doing that with a little bit, but um, I, I found this guy and I saw something really interesting about him in particular, his, his history of integrating his own story. He had a story that maybe a lot of people might be a little bit, a bit embarrassed to bring to the surface. Uh, and I hope to touch on that a little, especially around drug use, um, and addiction and incarceration. Uh, but he, man, that this dude, this mofo really kind of like hit the upswing on a life out of that world. Oh, I mean, I, there's a video on his website. Uh, I think it's perseuscreative.com where it's about a 15 minute telling of his yeah. story. And it had me in tears. You know, it was, he, he really, whew, you know, he hit rock bottom. He, he was a yeah. heroin addict, intravenous heroin user. And he has a point in the story and in, in his telling of the story where he says that other intravenous heroin addicts didn't want to hang out with him anymore because he's doing heroin too much. <laughs> like, that's strong. Know? Yeah. That's like, Oh, strong. that's where you were in your heroin adventure. And then not only that, but then he got incarcerated, which is, you know, imposed sobriety, got out of that and then was continued to be sober. But he was just like, this life is not for me. Like recovery is not for me. Yeah. And he actually gave up and he was walking away and he had decided he was done. It was after a meeting, like in the parking lot and Whoa. he was walking away and he heard someone yell behind him. Hey, you know, and he was like, what? And he goes, do you need to talk about anything? And huh. that, that man changed his life. Cause like he literally turned around and he was like, yeah, I, I do need to talk about something because and dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then that was the real turning point. It sounded like for him. Dude, I love that. I, I've got a story similar to that too. I'm going to maybe save it for a little bit here. Okay. But I've, I know that feeling. I know that feeling when you're at your wits end and you, and you need someone to talk to and a conversation would be a real release. Of, I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. What were you about to say? You, you showed up to my house, you know, yeah. eight, nine years ago and yeah. did that, you know? 
like you were like can we talk and we i think we'd had like some meeting for other reasons scheduled and you came into this funky little weird office that i had and yeah you know like you you spilled a lot that day and i think that was right at the beginning of your experience of recovery and oh man i've been there i've had that same conversation with people around mm. around real mental emotional thresholds that you're up against that feel like they are way 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 too much and it's yeah. just isn't it amazing how one conversation gets you through an hour and that hour gets you through that day and then mm -hmm. the next day thinking about it feels like you're climbing a mountain that you know you can't climb but then something happens at the beginning of the day that gets you through the morning and then it's just like that is you know, I remember being in days and weeks of my life where that's how every day was. And yeah. I never want to be there again. And anyone who's there, it's like, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into it. Jordan's here and I'm looking forward to this conversation. All right. Jordan Rogers, you are a creative consultant, collaborator, and entrepreneur. After recovering from heroin addiction and incarceration, you spent 15 years brand building at Nike, which included two years leading a women's brand team. While you have worked with some of the best athletes and artists in the world, you have also had a front row experience of mass incarceration and have shared your story of recovery in hospitals, detoxes, and jails for the last 20 years. Having gone through the process of owning your past, you now help others do the work to recognize their own story, history, and what they stand for, and perhaps create and share a more fully realized version of their story. Most re recently, you founded Perseus Creative, which helps empower and educate athletes and administrators through the new era of collegiate athletes being paid for their name, image, and likeness. Creativity is your superpower, and through Perseus Creative, Creative you use the built guiding principles of the myth of Perseus, the slayer of monsters, to inspire bravery, unique thought, and the celebration of victory. Jordan, you believe in going into the dark? unknown places, both within ourselves and history, that curiosity is bravery in looking at challenges with a different perspective and celebrating victory by serving others. Jordan Rogers, well, uh, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Thanks so much for awesome. having me. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, one thing that I know Ron and I are really interested in is storytelling, the creation of one's own story. I um, personally feel that that can come and happen in a lot of different ways and, and look a lot of different ways through art, through helping others. Um, but, you know, curious what that looks like for you. Um, I know that's a pretty vague question, but how creative do you get with that? Do you fictionalize anything? Um, do you make uh, mythological parallels in your life? Does, does any of that ha happen for you or for your guidance with others? Well, I'd say in the last 20 years, I don't fictionalize <laughs> much. Uh, prior, prior to recovering from heroin addiction i fictionalized quite a bit probably but, uh, <laughs> well uh, these days my 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 core value is authenticity so it is probably my superpower and my achilles heel yeah. uh to i very much value like just honesty and um and I have a hard time sometimes turning turning that off, you mm -hmm. know, so um, that would get me in trouble at times. You know, when you rise to a leadership position, the thing people respect and love you for sometimes is, is that you can be authentic. I'll speak for myself. The people that I think the reason people valued me and 
were attracted to me, according to others, was like my authenticity or my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not going to try to act like something isn't when it is. Well, um, to be clear, I, I don't mean but, fictionalized as in being authentic uh, as much as creating art from one's life. Um, yeah, no, that's a fair. No, <laughs> totally. Um, and so, you know, but my weakness would be sometimes I wear my emotion yeah. on my sleeve. So if I think something sucks, I will <laughs> usually mm, tell good. people or, <laughs> uh, you know, or I won't try to act like yeah, it doesn't, right. you know. Um, so it's been more beneficial for me more than it hasn't. Um, man, it's uh, what a what a fascinating question. I think. So one of the mantras that I've been chanting as I've left the mothership of a large corporation and the perceived safety net of a, a corporation like Nike was uh, no risk, no story. Huh. And uh, I've taken a lot of risks in my mm -hmm. life. Probably the first half of my life, I took a lot more. Um, I've taken calculated risks since. And those can usually develop decent stories. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, the irony of like working in brand marketing at Nike, I tell people is like when I eventually got my life together after incarceration and finally uh, did a couple of years at community college and then applied to a university, um, I couldn't actually get into the business school to study marketing. And so what I did study was ancient history and uh, Julius Caesar, Achilles, Percy, all these kinds of stories, um, both fictional and non-fictional, biographical. And uh, I think that gave me an incredible superpower. What, what it did was uh, gave me the ability to recognize what stories cut through over thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And whereas like a business school may teach you what resonates in advertising and marketing over the last 30 to 50 years, I got to study kind of perhaps a formula of what makes a great story that lasts and will continue to be told for 3,000 years. So that's a bit of the my relationship, you know, professionally. And then I think personally, um, man, what a tough, tough world to navigate how to own my story. I was pretty clear with it. Uh, I got into recovery after uh, incarceration. And so going to groups and, uh, you know, doing speaker meetings or going to like carry the message to people in detoxes or rehabs or jails, I got really comfortable kind of rattling my story. I could talk to heroin addicts all day long. Uh, how I then translated that story then to the corporate world was something that I was really mm. afraid of, to be honest, for years. Mm. And I didn't do it. So I kind of kept that side of my life uh, as a private thing. And then, you know, actually got in the door at Nike, not telling anyone about that. I hadn't been convicted of a felony, uh, which is a sort of a technicality. So I could get a job at a corporation like Nike. Many people don't have that luxury. Happy to talk about criminal justice. Oh, things, one of, but, one of um, my friends, Jordan, just yeah. a quick aside. <clears throat> it has affected his life more than anything in his life and the doors that is closed he actually we were talking the other day and he said i live in a different reality than you daniel mm. you know yeah he does and um boy let's uh put a pin in that i'm happy yeah. to talk criminal justice all day long i really want uh you know my experience i want my experience to be an example to others that you can take a risk on someone mm. who has a background mm. you know as brian stevenson of Equal Justice Initiative says each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Yeah, I noticed that quote on your website. 
Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I just think uh, that's Brian Stevenson mm. and his brilliance. Um, and I really believe that, you know, and I hope that as a country, I know that we're, the conversation is progressing. I want it to progress faster, quicker, more expansive, because there are a lot of people who uh, have done the time for their crime. They have paid their price. They did their penance. They served their time in the penitentiary. They come out, they pay major fines. They jump through all the hoops. And then we give them the scarlet letter forever. And it's like, at what point is it, are we yeah, good? Yeah. You know, it, they did their time. They confessed or they pled guilty or they paid your fine. They did all the yeah. things. So now do we want this to punish them for their whole life? I don't think that helps any of us, especially us as a country. I've known this summer, you know, I've noticed, yeah, no, sorry, I've noticed that in, in at least my friend's case, uh, it, it, the, it's no longer punishing him. It's actually holding him back from being able to help the, be participate in the world in a way that would be very helpful. Totally. Uh, I mean, my example of that is like, as a matter of fact, I studied ancient history. Uh, I wanted to go teach in the inner city. Um, you know, the only time that my record has really held me back, I'm not a, a victim here in any way. And there's many people who have way worse than I do. But, you know, uh, when you try to apply for school and I think, you know, I wrote like, I think this is a good thing. They, they want to know everything that's happened in your life and they have access to, to all kinds of background checks, which I think is appropriate. Um, and so I couldn't go teach. I don't know. I went on to prove myself that I became pretty valuable in the corporate world and others. I think I could have been an asset to those yeah. kids. Um, but we've, we've, you know, they, I went on a different path. So, um, so anyway, I hadn't told my story publicly by the time I went into Nike. So I basically went through this process of, I sort of like, I hustled really hard. I, I kind of, you know, I was not unique in this. A lot of people, once they get into that corporate world, they sort of kill themselves to try to prove themselves, you know, and just hustle, hustle, hustle. So I did that for about five years and really wanted to prove myself that I could, you know, hang with the other MBAs or the other people who are smart. And once I did, then I kind of like unveiled the story. It, it just, did you, when you I did that, be, when you did that yeah. unveiling of your story, was that because you were tired of hiding it and there was a part of you that just felt like it was behind the curtain and you're like, I gotta be me. I gotta be all me. Yeah. Or was there something else? You know, what was the other motivator? No, it's a fair yeah. question. It's a fair question. Um, so I spent a lot of time, like, especially in recovery, like working on, and I still do this. Um, the reason I named my company Perseus Creative and not Jordan Rogers Inc., you know, or whatever, I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to um, not make much of myself. And that has to be an active mm. thing. Is that, is that a temptation for our you? tendency? Yeah. yeah, I think all, I mean, for, for some, yeah. you know, for, for me, it's a recovery process. It's like, okay, you're not the center of the world. You're not the most important mm. person in any given situation. You're not going to be the self, you know, self-centered and whatever. And so I try to actively be away. I also think there's a real, um, Man, you guys have a pastor in Portland named John Mark Comer who wrote this great book, oh, that guy. Uh, "The Ruthless Elimination of yeah. Hurry." Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yes, we we spoke about that. I think, um, and he has this. Uh, he has one of these spiritual disciplines of 
what's the word, Ron, remind me. It's uh, obscurity, I think. Uh, and it's like, I think for me, that was a real spiritual discipline to try to practice for a long time. Like, uh, and I think there was a temptation. Uh, some of that was probably filtered through the Alcoholics Anonymous, like mis misperception perhaps of like being anonymous. Mm. Um, where I was very comfortable telling people my story like one-on-one, I didn't think that people would be able to interpret it in an appropriate way, like publicly or in that forum. And so I really was very deliberate and intentional and open. I try to be open-handed in my relationship with God or whatever that was to like say, hey, if you want my story to be public, I'm going to leave that to you and I'll do the, the footwork. And so I got approached by this organization. I am second. Um, a friend of mine actually said like he was in a home group of mine in a church and was like, dude, we have to tell your story. And he, he hustled up this like lunch with the people at that organization. I love that organization. Mm -hmm. They do these short films of people's stories. It's, it's a Christian organization, but it's not overt. It's more like, Hey, it's for people who are seeking and who are just, you know, like, it, you know, anyway, some televangelist stuff. And so they tell really beautiful films. And uh, I was so honored that they, you know, eventually selected, wanted to tell my story. Sorry. And so that just seemed like the perfect platform to do it. And so then I was open and I was just, yeah. the last thing is just like, I had to go through the process with Nike PR and like comms to like go to my mm. boss and say, Hey, yeah. this is part of my story. Yeah. And I had a couple of people who really advocated for me and I'm forever grateful for them. Uh, to get that approval to be able to tell that story. Because Nike is very, mm. um, they're very particular with who and how they let be like a, you know, individual externally. It's, <laughs> Sorry to cut no, you off. No, that's okay. Not say? at all. No. Um, it's interesting, yeah. the idea of obscurity and spending some like, it reminds me of incubative time in, in obscurity, you know, mm. self-imposed yeah. or at least not actively trying to, be extra you know extroverted with that particular part of your life and it reminds me a little yeah. bit of our last guest that we spoke with on here two guests ago loki miller he's a actor and incredibly talented and was off was off to to be go be a juilliard and he was um pretty much felt like he was on his way and long story short he ended up getting wrapped back into his own life because of drugs and alcohol use and then got sober and now nine years later he is he he is at the place where he was back then in a lot of ways but he's ready to move yeah. forward and um not all of right. that time was spent struggling like he was sober and he was practicing his craft and but for being a person who was so extroverted and uh, was before and has that aspect of his life it seems like and reminds me of this self-imposed obscurity and even when we asked him what you know some things about him to write in the intro he goes you know loki miller's a man who done a lot of things most people have never heard of and i really respected that and it feels like it's yeah. a it's a tending of safety uh and a real a time to get to know yourself and maybe even build articulation around that would you say that that's what that was for you yeah. i think so i think there's a temptation to I, I, some of it was fear some of it was intentional yeah. and trying to submit to what I felt like was a spiritual discipline that I wouldn't have been able to articulate mm -hmm. at the time. But, um, gosh, that's such a, it's such a know, tender, yeah. it's a, it's a slippery slope in that because I remember, you know, in all my almost nine years of recovery before he jumped in here, I, I was, we were sharing about how 
Daniel's actually one of the very first people I went to when I told him I was what was going on and that I was trying to quit drinking and it was a very scary place. Mm -hmm. And as I started to tell my story with others and, and he kept hearing in, um, in AA rooms, you know, we, we need to be right sized. And up until mm -hmm. that point in my life, I had been told I was special. I was stand out and, you know, all these other kind of things yes. that, um, certain yes. people here at certain times of their life. And, and, and it's an interesting thing, man, because I've, I had to like really squish my ego to smithereens yeah. and, and Hold it's on. actually kind of gotten to the point for me now where it's like a little difficult for me to be in the limelight. It is, it's actually really difficult for me. And, and one-on-one -on -one, yeah. speaking with people, I'm, I am no problem. But as soon as it begins to get public or something, I can feel this like real tension in me. Why do you think that is? Down. Um, I think it's a couple things. I think one, number one is, is I'm a little afraid of the ego monster inside me that mm -hmm. wants, yeah. I mean, to be honest, guys, I'm just like, it wants to be famous and it wants to be, yeah. it wants to be in the spotlight. And, and then yeah. there's also in this age where everybody wants to be famous when you can ask, you know, some kids like, what do you want to be? And they're like, I want to be an influencer. Um, yeah. I have got judgment against that. You know, I think it's gross and, and that's my own problem. Like it's not their problem. It's that that's my problem. So I, I'm having to like live in the tension of how to, how to be of service to humanity <laughs> and yeah. push myself out there totally. when I don't want to and, and feel that tension in me of like, look yeah. at me, look at me. And, totally. and, I, and I'm, I don't think I've found that balance yet. I really honestly haven't, but I, I, I what I love about what we're talking about, Jordan, is is you know you're familiar with the, the the scripture: confess your sins to one another, and you'll be healed. And the way my brain has been able to to sit with that in a way that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable and want to like throw up in my mouth a little bit is is to learn how to tell your story well. And in telling your story, others will be healed, and you'll be healed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And there's a, that, that, that's where I think, you know, just to go back to the original question was like, I was trying to be open-handed. Like, I know that my story was helping people like 10 heroin addicts in a detox facility yeah. or 20 people in an AA meeting or, you know, like, dude, there's some great dingy basements in <laughs> Portland that I was going to, you know, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like straight out of a David Fincher film, you know, like straight out of, of Fight Club, yeah. like uh, some of those like rooms. And so I think there's both like, and, and honestly, my work in criminal justice, I was literally talking to someone about this yesterday. Is like, I have this tension between, I want to go on like national campaigns to try to change people's minds and like save the world and i think when you study politics too like this we there's actually studies that show you will the the more like um the more you focus on national politics the more unhappy you will be and the more you get involved in terms of like local mm. getting your hands in the dirt mm. the more satisfied you can be and so for me i'm like i want to work with like big ad agencies who want to do pro bono work around criminal justice but my grounding thing is on Tuesday nights. I, I work with the local prison ministry. I was there last night. Me like being in the mess, as I call it, or like in the, in the work is where is what keeps me grounded. And so trying to have that, that tension is, 
is important. And so I feel like as long as I keep this one down here, uh, or just this is like the more level, it's cool to float up here at times, but this is not reality, you know. For it a reminds lot me quite a bit of <clears throat> um the idea of you know cleaning up your house, your your mind, yourself, and then concentric circles of influence outside of that, starting with literally yep. your yard, neighbors, um, the community, the city, you know, and letting that build over time where it's always tethered and connected and grounded and the the soil is always even though this the 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 space is growing, the soil always, always tended, you know, and one of yeah. our last past guests, recent guests, uh, Sam Lamott, another storyteller, um, he, he went through something similar. He or not something similar, but his version of, of kind of what we're talking about right now, which I think is really valuable. It's actually something that gets me going, seeing people want to influence others outside of them before the, they've tended to themselves in some pretty obvious ways. Well, Sam was yeah. saying something like, you know, he podcast, hello humans, uh, how to human. And he was getting big guests and then something in him was just like, this is wrong. And he went back to the local and he started looking around his city and his town, and his community and finding interesting stories that were grounded and rooted there. And there was something about that, that just like you said, it actually made him happier. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I would actually just say, just to be clear, I don't have this all figured out. Like I have, <laughs> Oh, never mind. I have like, <laughs> yeah. Nice uh, talking oh, to you, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I was literally thinking about this today, y'all. Like, so the, so, so you mentioned where I'm going and my new business, yeah. like the foundation of my business, uh, is that I want to go help teach college athletes how to maximize this new NIL landscape. They can now make money off their name and Yes, they haven't been able to do that for a hundred years um, based on amateurism. And like, and so uh, I shot this cool video a couple months ago, uh, with this great film crew who was on another project and they let me just do a, a little splur, a blurb about what I, what my business is. And like, I have this press, I wanted to have something out on the one year anniversary was last Friday, you know, all this time editing this video and, what, and it's just not saying what I wanted mm -hmm. to say. You know, I have a better articulation today of what I want to do and how I want to serve people than I did two months ago. And so I've like chopped it every which way to try to make it say what I want. And it's still not there. And I and then today, Tuesday after the holiday weekend, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, I just have to exhale sometimes and be like, it's just not ready. And like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm working through how to articulate what it is that I want to do and and there's a per that that super tension of uh done is better than perfect and then the details matter to the people who matter you know nice. and it's like i'm just constantly in this and so i've just had to like exhale and go you know what there's no there's not a fake deadline it doesn't have to be out and i can simmer on this for a little bit longer to to determine what it is that I'm trying yeah, to say. That's really yeah. well said. I love that. It's like some pretty sophisticated uh, creative principles there that just, you know, I, I learned a couple of those principles um, through painting and, you know, uh, it's very interesting not to shift too far from this, the, this topic, but some of these principles of creativity and how they express themselves in different arts and different modalities, you know, it's also very interesting. Yeah. Totally. But, you know, well, that also, was Daniel, you know, Daniel and I are working on a project together that it's, it's at early stages, but it's a story that you, that Daniel has been uh, working on for the better part of a decade. 
Oh yeah. And and it's at a point where I don't want to speak for you, Daniel. So don't let me don't let me yeah, like be your mouthpiece I here. Trust but, you. but um I get you know, we together as partners now as we're working on this project and the project has to do with part of his life story, part of his mother's life story and some, some real for real tragedy that happened in that process. And, and in there, there's a, there's several things that could come up. And, and I think together as where we're doing this, we feel that like, what's, what's, what needs to come out right now? What needs to be cooked a little bit longer? Yeah. What's the thread that need that we're trying to find? And what's it's for a just, challenge. What's yeah. for just me or just us and is not for the consuming, yeah. you know, audience member. Totally. And yeah. all these questions yeah. are, you know, you start to come up with answers for them and they're liberating, you know, because they go, oh, you go, oh shit, yeah. that was just for me. Cool. I want to put all the effort yeah. into like polishing this back part up. Yeah. 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 I've had a I've had a novel yeah. on the back burner for a couple of years now. And it's like maybe maybe it's not meant for anybody, but for me. And I just needed to deal with some, some of my dad stuff. And, totally. and which is a crazy concept in the world of social media where we're documenting <laughs> yeah, everything, totally. right. To, to not show it's something. so hard. Yeah. yeah. To not show some, like that is such a foreign concept a to us right yeah. now where we're, we're capturing, particularly with, you know, Snapchat and stories. Now it's like, oh, that's for just the everyday moments yeah. of your life where it was all the polished parts. And now, I mean, dude, I'm doing this right now. I'm doing a mural project. Um, I'm trying to explore creativity. I'm like intentionally vague. It's like NIL consulting and creative collaboration. People are like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's intentionally vague. I just, I just want to be creative in a lot of ways. And like, I'm doing this mural project. Well, you know, I'm doc documenting every every aspect of it, you know? And there's other parts that people have said, like, you should document your entrepreneurship journey. And I've thought about it, but like, I struggle with like those hardest moments when I'm standing up at like three o'clock in the morning, like staring at my computer screen. I really struggle to be, I don't know, have an objective, you know, talking to some camera. Yeah. What? Like I can't <laughs> try to build this stupid website and I hate it. <laughs> I've worked for hours on it. And I freaking hate it. Like, you know, like, what do you want me to say yeah. to you? Like, I hate this. So um, anyway, we don't have to well, share I just everything. think, I think what we're, we have a couple of things going on. One is, is just being this like wizard of your, of your life and of your story and, and knowing how, knowing what to share and how to share and when to share, um, you know, and when you know you have value, something valuable to share, you know, I, I was going through a really hard time where I, right before you jumped on, we, we do a segment of the, of the show where we call it the draw, which is just like pulling the bow back and kind of aiming and, and looking at what we want to, maybe uh, offer and get out of this. And, you know, we were talking about that moment when you were, that you were talking about on your website video where you were walking away from that meeting and that person called out, Hey, do you want, do you have some, you want to talk about something, you know? And you were yeah. like, yeah, I do. And, you know, that getting you through some amount of time and, and leading to the next, you know, breadcrumb or the next, uh, you know, toadstool to walk on and carry you across these treacherous waters of, of an hour, of a day, of a month. God, God forbid, think about a year, getting through a year, you know? Yeah. And I was really yeah. in that place too. And I, I remember uh, saying, you know, if I ever get out of this, I, I got to help other people because this is, fucking yeah. hell this is so hard totally. you know and and yeah. but how does that look you know it's pretentious you know to say yeah. that hey, it's easy to say right 
but it seems like one thing I admire about you is it seems like that is very real for you. And the adventure of that is very yeah. real for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful that moment. I mean, God, like, you know, it's just yeah. like that moment is so crucial in my life, you know, and uh, that man, you know, Kyle Guffey, like just grabbed me and like, you know, he was the most, flawed individual (laughs) ever you know he would tell you that too like i I, like we all are and so i think it removed this like like he drove a hummer on like 22 inch wheels that he was like (laughs) completely upside down on and like find it yeah it was like i figured that out you know a little bit later and so it like rubbed all it, it 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 smashed this interpretation that i had and i think a lot of us have that you have to have everything together in order to serve and help other people yeah and like, there's this great principle on the right. I mean, look, AA and 12 step, they have their own kinds of issues. I'm sure we could talk about that for a long time. But like one of the great principles of some of the strands of, of those 12 step communities is that basically you can help anybody who's just behind you. If you have two days sober, you're, help, you're an inspiration of the guy who has one day sober, you know, or if you have a month, you're, you're like a, uh, uh, and in some ways, I would tell people this in recovery a lot. Look, not, not, I have 19 years now. What does that mean to a guy who's just walking in right now? Yeah. Like I'm some unicorn who doesn't really exist. Yeah. And he doesn't really believe that I ever yeah. actually struggled. Right. When he sees a guy who still has some track marks yeah. on his arm, who's like 21 days clean, like yeah. that is actually, that man can help him way more perhaps yeah, than I can. Cool. And so that moment really helped solidify it for me. It also solidified another part that I continually will battle today, but it is a great reminder, which is it is on me to take the initiative to go serve other people. And I think most of us, or I'll just speak for myself, the worst parts of me uh, or just my default position is that, oh, if someone wants help, they will just come mm-hmm. to me. And I'm here and they should always just know that I'm here. And man, it takes a lot of initiative for people, especially when they're hurting and some of the places we're talking about, the really dark places in our lives to actually go and reach out. And so I believe that it's on me. And this is, this has helped transcend a lot of other areas of my life. It's on me to go out and seek these people. It's on me to go take the initiative to ask them how they're doing, to ask them how I can help them. Uh, and so that, that moment was really pivotal in my life and kind of taught me a lot and has informed the way that I try to help others, you know, 20 years later. I had a similar, similar moment in my early days. I think it was maybe a couple of weeks in and I had an office in Northwest Portland, kind of in Northwest industrial. And I was alone in my office at the time. There was maybe, I'd maybe five to eight employees. I can't remember at that point, a couple other coworkers, the owners of the business that I was working for who I was related to. And there was a bar in the office and, and I had gotten pretty good at drinking on the job. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was, I was bonking. I was like real, I had a hard time not going back to it. And I, and the best yeah. I could do was sit at my desk with both my hands on the, on the armrest of the chair and do nothing and stare at the wall. Mm. And yeah. I was sitting there and I hear this voice behind me say, um, do you need help? 
and I turned around and there was a guy from one of the meetings that I had maybe met for two minutes. Whoa. In your office? In my office. And Jesus. it turns out his office was half a block away and he had been driving by and saw my car. Whoa. And just decided to show up. And, and he showed up in that moment wow. that you were in. He showed up in that moment. And wow. I turned around That's and my weird. whole body started shaking. And I, and I was like, yeah, I need help. You know, it, it felt, it felt, felt like I needed more help in that moment than I did three weeks beforehand, you know, when I actually had gotten to it. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. And we went out and I told, I told my story, I think for the, you know, to your point earlier, honestly, for the first time in my life, I had a real yeah. honest, long version download of everything that I had been hiding behind how I wanted to be perceived by other people and how mm -hmm. that incongruency had caused and other things had caused me to want to numb out and alcohol was the vehicle that I found because it worked for me every time. Yeah. And that, you know, those are miracles. Those are the magic that I look for oh, every yeah. time. I'm looking for it every day. I'm, I start yeah. my day by trying to like tune in, like, how can I find that moment and how can I be that for somebody else too? Well, and it speaks to your point too, Jordan, where, you know, you just said you got to reach out like that guy did that yeah. that day. He was, you know, how, how often do you pump the brakes on seeing someone's car and be like, I wonder if they're around. You know, it's yeah. like, like what a <laughs> yeah. leap of faith that was just to stop and be like he could find you. I've been in the neighborhood you're talking about. There's a building oh, obscure. You know, I, I wouldn't have been <laughs> able to yeah. find you. You give me directions <laughs> to your office. I don't know if we're gonna be able to find you. That's an amazing story, Ron. I never knew that. Yeah. It's also great. I mean, you know, these days it might be a tech message or mm. something, you know. And I, I don't know that your body would have had the same visceral reaction yeah. if somebody texts you like, hey. How you doing yeah. or do we need help you know i mean those can have those moments can happen too but what a cool i mean and look at that like that that guy i don't know if you've ever gotten his explanation later yeah. but like what a testament you know that's a anyway i i'm on my best days i i do that you know and on my worst days i drive by and i go oh it'd be cool if i right. stop yeah saw that guy. Oh, okay I, I don't know i'm late for something else yeah. that that's a huge value of mine is is you know, around, I think they call them reprisals when you, when you want to say something and you decide not to, you know? Um, but mm. it's, yeah. it's really easy to think that it's too late to say or do something in the micro, in a moment, in a conversation or mm. driving, you know? Um, yeah. Also on the macro, like you look at your life, you know, well, it's too late to talk to that person or apologize for something or take accountability or check in on them. You know, or they, they might think that that's weird. It's like, in my uh, experience, the person rarely thinks it's weird when you take a chance to to reach out. Just about every time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's an amends process in recovery, you mm. know, and like I had some, you know, crazy ones, you know, but like, um, you know, a couple of them, it's like, uh, what a it's a powerful, powerful process. And it can, it can really alleviate a lot of angst or anxiety that we have underneath the surface for like, oh, should I have done that? Or should I have not have done that? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it also cleared pathways for me, you know, a, a story I tell is like, I, I went and asked forgiveness from a, a friend of mine who's 
parents. I basically disrespected a lot of their wishes and their house and all this kind of stuff. And they didn't call me back a couple of times uh, when I called them and basically didn't want anything to do with me. And uh, I ran into them in public and uh, tried to, you know, follow through with this and, and asked if they would speak to me for a few minutes. And I did. And we ended up kind of hashing some things out and they forgave me. And, uh, you know, I continued to try to like help their son. And a few months later, their son died of an overdose. And so I, I went, it was one of the first, unfortunately I've had a lot since then, but, uh, I, it was one of the first, you know, funerals for one of my closest friends that I got to go to. And I got to grieve at that process with other friends, with that family, with people. And had I not gone through that process on the front end, I would not have been welcomed at that funeral, you know? Uh, and so, you know, on, on both sides, I think going back and doing that work. And then the thing that I learned, you know, as I was thinking when you said that Dan was like, I have less of a hard time telling people what I would need to tell them, or if there's some way that I feel about them because I've gone to so many young people's funerals, you know, in the last 19 years. And so if there's all that type of thing reinforces, like tell people, you know, something that if you want to share something with them, or if there's something you need, like, not you know tomorrow's not promised to to any of us yeah and the idea too of sharing sharing things more you know right you got to get you have to have the ability to share things at the right time or at a decent time and in a decent way and have some like social you know acumen and cues of course you know create environments that that where it works but also sometimes we think it's not one of those moments and it is you know and you know uh ron about that on this on on these but these conversations we have is hey you know there's a lot of content out there um there's a lot of people uh bullshitting and and talking and connecting and doing all the things they do in conversations well let's do a podcast and do it there well what's the value of that and what's the value of that um in you in our version and for us it's let's get our inner world you know out there a little bit let's let's um let's share our lives it, i think we have some words around some events in our lives we think that we have some emotional availability around that as you can see ron's telling his stories i i think that's very valuable you know i think it totally. is yeah i know it is i mean <laughs> i got to see i get so so you know as you alluded to you know to continue that narrative on when i finally decided to tell my story you know one of the things that i found at nike that was reinforcing and i'm so grateful for the people there was you know nike was like this mountaintop that i thought it was like this you know mecca of smart cool brilliant creative people and so when so many people at nike started to resonate with my Mm. story or affirm that story um they come around and then internally what it started doing was like i think the 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 great side about Nike is you have all these creative, brilliant market. I mean, I was in the brand marketing department, right? And so the downside of that is that we can never turn it off. And so we're forever branding and marketing ourselves <laughs> and internally to each other. And like, we can't, we can't turn that mechanism off. We struggle to. And so it happened at this certain time in the, the culture where I think people would have rather heard about a heroin addict who spent time in jail and 
you know, had track marks on his arms rather than the perfect version of someone who had a Stanford MBA again, you know, and all yeah. the accolades that we all try to tout in our corporate lives. And so, and all these people will come to me and be like, and y'all know this, you know, we, we convince ourselves that it's, we're such this rare thing, but anytime you share something, people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, my father struggled with that. My brother mm. struggled with that. My sister is struggled with that. My son does this. And you just have all these people who come in now because people can relate to you so much more, I think for your vulnerabilities yeah. and your humanity rather than your strengths and your accolades. And so that's what I'm trying to teach college athletes. Mm, um, really? That's what I, I hope. Uh, yeah. I mean, nice. so personal branding. Okay. You know, I mean, I don't want to give the whole, whole pitch, but it's like, you know, personal branding. I think a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, post a lot more on social media. Well, I would tell them to spend much more time getting to know themselves. You know, your personal brand sits between what you know about yourself and what you share That's with so others. Sad. And what you portray to others, I stole that from someone, so I can't take credit for it. But um, but where I come in on that is like I think a lot of people would tell you that what how focus on what you're communicating externally. I actually think there's much more value in getting to know oneself internally. Yeah. So doing all that hard work. What are your okay strengths, passions? Cool. What are your weaknesses and struggles though? What are the hardest things you've yeah. come through? What are those parts of your life that you haven't worked out? You know, what are the things that you've overcome? that is what we connect with people on, you know? And so the athletes of old, we created mountaintops, Rushmore's of them. We created these big, beautiful, glitzy campaigns about them. The athletes of today, people want to connect with the humanity of them, you know? And uh, so let's get in touch with those things that you struggle with. And then we figure out how we communicate that to the world. Um, and we figure out who and how we can serve based on that struggle. Uh, because oftentimes our biggest passions are birthed from our deepest pain. Mm. And so let's connect those two. And then we can start to, you know, share that with the world and partner with the right brands or partner with the right companies or nonprofits or get involved in the right service opportunities. It seems so, too that that um, process and yeah. that reframe or uh, <laughs> I was going to say rebranding of branding, but uh, just the, the structure <laughs> yeah, of totally. restructuring of branding it best would be better. Um, yes you know, that starts to redefine confidence too, because it seems to me that athletes, I, I've always really enjoyed sports. They're kind of one of my little things that I enjoy checking in on and, you know, and slowly over the decades have, you know, can kind of follow the stories, you know, through the, through the decades and through the seasons. It's really fun. Um, totally. And, uh, you know, they, athletes too, we tend to think of them as very confident, you know, and, but also that there's a lot of, uh, maybe not really uh, getting to know themselves because of the excessive um, focus on sports and their, their particular skill and craft. And so um, to, to see them start that journey and be on that journey, um, I feel like that starts to show that you can be very confident in more than one way and confident with your insecurities or your darker sides. And have you noticed that with people you've worked with? <laughs> uh, yes. Amen. Preach. Uh, I mean, here's what I, I also like view is like, um, I, I believe that I got to have a super human power by getting to know the darkest, deepest, darkest yeah. parts of yeah. myself. You know, so Ron, you can speak yeah. to like, you know, 
and taking inventory and doing all those things and getting to know like my worst resentments and all the bad things I did or the crazy, even worse, you know, the things I was thinking or wanting to do or all that. And like, like when we, when we go through the, the healing process of like, you know, um, it's not entirely a religious exercise, but, you know, confessing and understanding and talking with someone yeah. else and them going, oh yeah, yeah, I did that too. Or, oh yeah, I thought yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, is that all? Like, you know, <laughs> there's this huge healing, healing yeah. process. A lot of times it happens in that. And then, so most people just focus on their strengths and like, are just going to focus on that. Well, when you really get to know your deepest, darkest weaknesses and your struggles, you can become a much more fully realized, like human. And then if you embrace them and learn how to communicate them externally, uh, provided that they're not hurting other people or, you know, within reason, um, then what can other people hold against you? Yeah. Nothing, you know, so like these days, somebody goes, oh, I found your mugshot online. Great. I put it out there. <laughs> you know, like it's on my Instagram. You can find <laughs> it. Um, oh, I heard you. Oh, you had possession of whatever. Oh, you got arrested here. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I filmed. A, I did a film about that. You should check it out. You know, like or um, any number of aspects of your life. Like, oh, well, I heard you weren't a great guy. Yeah, I've talked at length about that. And I've talked at length with the people who I was a bad guy to. Uh, and ask their forgiveness and ask if there's anything I could do to make that right. And so when we own that part, that, that the darker, the worst, worst parts of our story, we can become more fully realized. And we have a little more defense in the, in the public eye, which is just like, I can be me fully. And people seem to respond to that. Well, yeah, man, I've noticed in my line of work, getting to work with some, um, getting to have some conversations with guys who had come out of the pro athlete world it's it's um and and others who've who've succeeded not just those guys but guys who have succeeded had a high level of success in the corporate world or some other place if they've done that but then have a real um maybe the next chapter feels like a lot of failure and and they just keep hitting the same glass ceiling over and over and i'll put my hand up in there i've been there too like they're the shame voice wants to be so loud and keep their story down. And I think what, what, what you're saying, what we're all kind of agreeing is like, man, the more light we can shine on that and the more we could just admit to, and I'll speak for myself, the more I can admit how difficult it is to share my story. Sometimes it's harder to share my business failures than it is to share my, my drunken stupor failures, right? It's easier totally. to tell people like, oh yep. yeah, I had to totally do a breathalyzer with a woman that mm -hmm. I just met and, you know, almost went to yeah. jail. And then, uh, yeah. I've been spinning my wheels, in my business for months and months and months. I don't know what's wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, it's almost like we need a container like an AA or a 12 step program, but just for life <laughs> where we can, where totally. we can let it all out and let, and, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And then, if, you know, for someone like you said to go, Oh, that's it you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that's you know, so bad. So i think bad. that some of those uh meetings that you've um you've hosted uh and brought men through ron i'm sure you've been through um several uh, many many of those and probably guided some of those to jordan you know that seems to be that realm i i mean i i jumped in on some of ron's uh ron's groups um and these are people that ostensibly we would have very little in common, um, just demographically, you know, and 
the, the all of that disappears. All of it. It, it means oh. almost nothing. And and next thing you know, we're we're really able to, I don't know, to see those parts of myself in people I wouldn't expect to connect with or see those things in. That was one of the most powerful things that really just levels the playing field, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I left a room last night, like I do this prison ministry yeah, on yeah. Tuesday nights and uh sit in a room with these guys and it's called where you at and it's like a total mix of men who have just come out of sometimes 30 years of incarceration who are have ankle ankle monitors on or trying to get a job and didn't win in before the iphone was ever created and are coming out you know it's (laughs) like and and then there's uh you know ambassadors like myself who are uh, who've been in the corporate world and and then there's guys who've graduated from the program there's this whole hodgepodge of 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 men uh in this particular room and it's one of the most uh powerful experiences i have every week you know yeah. of we're we're all very similar we create all these made up uh dividing lines between all of us yep. you know yeah. uh whether that's political party or, uh, you know, neighborhood or job title or skin color or, you know, race. Those are all man-made, you know, delineators that we use to to separate ourselves. One of the little tricks that kind of came out of a joke for me personally, I, I, uh, is when I'm hanging out with somebody, anybody, or see somebody have an interaction or I'll see other people have interactions. I'll think, you know, let's say two people are in a conflict and I'll think if those two people were on a desert island, would they at at least eventually have each other's back, you know? And I think, and I almost always come up with yes, you know, because, and I feel like that's kind of more of the core of it is, you know, when it comes down to just life or death, quality of life or death, you know, we would, we would, we're good, you know, all that shit. Yeah. 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 Totally. The lawyer in me loves the, I, one of my biggest passions is like, I, I have my things I'm super passionate about, zealous about whatever, but I love listening to, you know, it probably birthed from a bad play. I like listening to the other side to then defeat them in an argument. But honestly, what, what, what usually happens is that I'm like, that's a really good point, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I hadn't thought about that. Or, you know, and so I just, uh, especially moving from Portland, Oregon to Dallas, Texas, in our political climate, you know, uh, I just like, I think so much could be solved if we just sat and talked to people, uh, you know, and listened to their point of view and then shared ours. And then we kind of come together like in any realm of life. I think, I think. Uh, something happens to the nervous system when we're in a place and we're allowed to just be and tell our story a little bit, even for a five minute run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. God forbid we get 15 minutes <laughs> with somebody and tell, to be able to yeah, tell totally. them how we actually feel in a place in a, in a um, environment where there's not someone looking at us going, well, that's what's wrong with you, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I would say 90% of the interpersonal conflicts that I have in this world could be solved with a 15 minute conversation, but, but for whatever reason, they've taken place over text, not again, not every one of them, 
But yeah, yeah. You know, I think about that often. I was like thinking last night about this one that just stresses me out. And every t- every once in a while, a little storm of thoughts and emotion come up. And I yeah. do little monologues of, of uh, fake conversations. And I just think, God damn it, yeah. man. Like if we just had 15 minutes to chat, that mm-hmm. we're good. Yes. <laughs> Pick up the phone, <laughs> you know, get together. Like, totally. Yeah. Like, and I, I was counseling a, a young man last night, like who's like, you know, in this crazy crucial point. I'm like, what you just said to me, you know, whatever he feels this way about this scenario that happened. I'm like, here, oh, dude, like that, that's such a great verbiage. If you go in there and say that to this director who you're having misunderstanding, but I feel like this is what I'm hearing <laughs> and this is what's going on. You tell me, but I know like for me, like over the last 20 years, I've learned that just because I feel it doesn't mean that it's reality. And mm-hmm. in fact, if I'm feeling deeply about it, it probably is pretty far from reality. So like, here's what I feel about the thing. Now you tell me what you're seeing or or interpreting because I may not be right and I may not see it correctly. Yeah. That's nonviolent communication stuff. I don't, I don't know if you even, you know that, but yeah, that's like, Oh, well, yeah. Dr. King, the whole nine. I mean, yeah. uh, The practice of nonviolence. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, we live in a time now that, I've, I've known more people our age or, or younger who have died by drug, alcohol, or suicide than yes. any other cause. Yes. And, and there's a, the whole gamut of people from, from just barely surviving economically to they had it all together. Mm-hmm. They absolutely yeah. had it all together. And my guess is, and I do want to put a fine point on this. My guess is they, if they, if they knew they were allowed to say how they felt to somebody, and if they knew there was a safe place to go to talk about the prison they felt like they were in, some of that could have at least been extended or avoided altogether mm-hmm. and maybe given them a little bit of breathing oh, room, a little bit of pressure off the chest to take a breath and take a next right step. And, yeah. and maybe that's my, you know, my big takeaway from this is, is, is how can I, how can I tell my story a little bit more so that they feel like that that's safe for them to do that? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, Liz B. Croft, uh, created this little campaign, um, and she's a, a therapist up in New York and it says healing is not linear, feel the feels. Mm-hmm. And I was having this conversation like I went to speak to some you know I got invited to come speak to some high school or something and they had this big like don't say no message or just say no message and I don't know philosophical differences with that but like ultimately I realized I always felt like I was wasting my breath just telling kids not to do drugs and 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 it occurred to me that day uh that what I would actually say to a lot of young people or people like you're saying Ron it's like in order to heal it you have to feel it Mm. And I want to be a safe place where they can work through being able to feel some of that stuff. So much of drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever people are using to escape is escaping the feeling that they're having. And a lot of that's born out of trauma. Uh, A lot of that's born out of, you know, um, very challenging events or things that have happened and their capacity to process those feelings and thoughts and is their brain and their body has become overwhelmed. And so something like drugs or alcohol helped them cope with that. Yeah. And I think if more people understood the the reasoning behind addiction, the reasoning behind alcoholism and the the what what they're 
doing. I think more people could relate to what, you know, we've stigmatized drugs so much. Uh, alcohol is like totally cool with everyone. Um, but anyway, a, I won't go no. down my war on drugs route. But <clears throat> It's but, an yeah. interesting, I'm seeing some parallels and some connections to some congruency. Uh, your message to the athletes that you help being, hey, get to know yourself over here. Maybe some dark, you know, rough parts uh, instead of oh, just post more. And then, you know, someone who's potentially is or may use drugs. It's not about, you know, don't use drugs. It's about also maybe come over here and check out some of this muck. And that's a whole thing, right? Don't get me yeah, wrong. It's totally. not that easy. Like, yeah. I know you know that, but yeah. Yeah. Totally. Hey, Jordan, we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but last, you know, final thought on your end, man. Um, and I'll ask for your advice for myself. Cause I, I, I don't want to keep it out there in the ethereal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like I said earlier, it's easy for me to talk about my darkness in the intimacy of a group or one-on-one. -on -one, and it's not easy for me to put it out there on social media or elsewhere. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, and I fight the feeling of it's a tired message. Uh, I have been doing this a long time now at this point. So it's like, Oh, they're going to hear it. You know, my anniversary post about, <laughs> about sobriety. And other than I, I don't really talk about it, but I know that there's a lot of other vulnerable parts of my life that would probably be of great value that I've honestly just danced around. Like I've not fully just come out and said, these are things I've struggled with and wrestled with. Yeah. So as yeah. an expert who teaches, um, you know, athletes, pe people are used to being in the spotlight in some ways. Like what's your like one, two connector for connecting with vulnerability in a way that could be of value to the world as a brand, you know? Mm. Great question. Somebody who likes to simmer on some of those things, but I think um, I think first, actually, I think you could simmer on it as long as it needs to go back to the orig origination of this conversation where we were talking about obscurity. Totally. You know, sometimes those things don't have to be there. I think when we find the words or the connection with our audience, who is your audience and what are they struggling with? How do I make that a connection with them? Uh, and so if it's, and, and what are the moments, you know, the sobriety moments or their, the awareness days, whatever, how do we talk about things in those forums um, and, you know, prepare for those moments. And so I think people, I think, we can be cynical. I can be cynical. Me too. Say that Me for too, myself. Yeah. Yep, yeah. totally. Uh, but you know what? People love inspiration stories. They, I saw one this morning. I don't even know this guy. Some freaking, I don't know, Airbnb, arbitrage, real estate <laughs> teacher guy. And he was like, you know, two and a half years, I was broke as hell. I had a failed business. I was in debt. And I, and I was just like, and he posted you know, a couple of pictures, but I was like, hell yeah, good for you, bro. <laughs> like, yes, go. I don't even know this guy, you know, like he's a friend of a friend. And um, so I think the people who know you and uh, who, or at least have some connection, want to hear those things. Um, I think it is a, uh, it is the, you know, in marketing, we're trying to be different or distinct. And so in a world where everyone's just trying to show you their awesome vacation, their cool car and how awesome yeah. they are, sharing some of our weaknesses can be that distinct um, thing. And so um, figuring out how we package that and how we connect that to our audience is, is the, the art and the science. Yeah. 
communication. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. I'd love to keep talking about stories with you and mythology yeah, and, yeah. and Perseus. Man, we didn't get to talk about Perseus. Thanks for that. We didn't get to talk about yeah. Perseus. Yeah, yeah. totally. All good, Appreciate man. the conversation and the time, Jordan. Yeah, thank you all. Um, you can check out the Perseus uh, myth, mythology, and story on my website, perseuscreative.com. Awesome. And what's your Instagram handle? Um, at Jordan Rogers 26. Cool, man. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, thank you all. Keep keep up the yeah. good work. I love yeah, what you're doing. Talking to you. All right, Take brother. Care. Take care. Okay. Adios. All right. Bye, y'all. Field dressing. That, that was uh, thanks, man. Yeah, field dressing. I, I I had to push myself a little bit to to be a little bit more vulnerable. It was a challenge, a good challenge, and I and I'm glad that we had Jordan on. And I want to keep having conversations like that about specifically around vulnerability. And I know for me, it's way easier to talk about being an alcoholic than it is about being a nice guy. Mm. And and. And, and the interesting thing is like, that's what I help guys with the most is, is being a doormat and not being able to say what we want to say because we were, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what Jordan was describing is like when he, when he's like, when I don't like something, I, I say it. <laughs> and man, those of us who are like, we don't feel safe saying that we don't like something. Our body shut down. My body shuts down completely. And I've been in a lot of bad situations and relationships and stages of my own marriage because I didn't feel safe to say that I wasn't, that I didn't like it. And, and I know it comes from like childhood abandonment and, and all those things. And, and, the, but man, it feels like fucking demasculating to really say that. And I, I, that's why I'm challenging myself to say it right now. Oh man. I think that one of the most powerful feel uh, experiences you could go through or are going through and continue to go through is around that because yeah. Because if we don't say what we want, if we recognize something in the world, little things sometimes, and we don't say it, and, and we, and let's just assume that the news is, if you did say it, you would get exactly what you want. And yeah. it would be no skin off of someone else's back. They'd be actually happy to do it. Oh yeah. It's like almost insanity to, to continue not asking for what you want and to not uh, continue to refine your sensitivity to knowing what, what one wants. And yep. I saw a little thing that happened at the beginning of this conversation, actually, that made me mm. think, Oh, Ron's doing, doing a little work around this little moment around no, no more Mr. Nice guy asking what, for what yeah. he wants. And that was yeah. when we were just starting before we hopped on. And, you know, you noticed Jordan didn't have a, a microphone that was up to your standards or that you wanted yeah. you know, a headset yeah. or something, because a few episodes, someone said, do you want me to use this other oh, yeah, set of right. microphones? I can do it. It's better. And you were like, yeah. no, that's okay. And I was like, I know Ron would want that. <laughs> and so I was like, no, if you could do that. And then this time you 100%. asked that person, I was like, that's cool. I, I don't know if it was conscious, but it was know. conscious. Actually it was because I was like wrestling with it in that moment of like, oh, he you? sounds okay. He sounds okay. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to bring this up. And I, and I had to push myself uh, to do it. And and it, I mean, interesting, I think if, you know, we go back and listen to the sound of my voice, there was probably a kind of confidence that came out, but that there was fear was. behind that. Yeah. yeah see, like I amazing. had to like, I had to, I had to push to do that. And, um, and you're right with any time I've ever asked for my needs to be met truly like from, from what I actually need, not out of a place of desperation or deprivation, but just like, yeah, I need this 100% of the time it's been, it's been met. 
100 percent of the time oh wow i've never had anyone mm. say no or fuck <laughs> right? off or like get lost or this I mean, is disgusting or if any someone things. comes and asks me for something that they need yeah. and you can tell they need this it's a joy yeah. to help like fuck yeah, yeah i got your yeah. back like that's 10 times better than whatever i was doing right before you asked me to do that you know, know. <laughs> potentially know. but that's one thing I appreciate about our friendship and I've noticed about our friendship too, and uh, is that um, around, you know, it's not just you and to me all the time at all. Yeah. We both have things we're working through with each other uh, that are very vulnerable and that are not fun to think about, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of them is I, I can tell that, you know, there's a, and I hope you know this, there's a, there's a safe space for you to ask for what you want from me anytime and also to be upset with me. You know, because those things are linked, you know, yeah. expressing upset, asking for what you want. Those are both disruptive to the person that is around you. And you're, the fear is, as I understand it, and it's not going to be the same for way for everybody. But some of this no more Mr. Nice Guy and people pleasing comes from not wanting to rock the boat around the person that's around because then they would potentially be a threat like the person was a threat when you were a kid or whenever this got wired in. Yeah, totally. but rocking the boat. Y'all want you want things to be. It's a it's a mechanism of safety. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to rock the boat because we don't want to be. We don't want people angry at us. We don't want to be abandoned. Um, and probably don't want a lot of that. That I don't want. Dot dot dot. Probably yeah. has a million incarnations. Uh, absolutely. And the and the crazy thing is, man. And I talk to guys like this every day. It's like they can have. And I was kind of speaking to this a little bit with the pro athletes thing is like, they can have certain areas of their life on lockdown. Like it looks good. It's operating well. Mm. There's a lot of success. And then there's another area of their life, maybe their marriage, maybe their relationship with their kids, maybe something else that is a disaster because they're unable to like physically, the physical fear is so strong hmm. that they can't step into a place hmm. of, of guarding themselves, protecting wow. themselves, getting their needs met. Yeah. And, and then that marriage turns into a decade of disaster and they, and, and then the, you know, the wall of like, fuck, this is really falling apart. Well, that's a really good point because your adventure and, and learning and practice of asking for what your needs are and meeting your needs yourself and asking it from others and just not being such a nice people pleaser all the time yeah. in all the little subtle ways and dramatic ways that can be, that has helped me because, um, because I do that in certain realms, in certain realms, I'm actually really strong at like, you know, you're observing a situation and then it starts to go this way and you're like, and then it's very easy for people to just go with that, but you know, they don't want that, Yeah. you know? And I'm like, I know what I want in this. And I can hopefully with some grace be like, no, I don't want to do that. Or can we do this or create a dialogue, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're moving somewhere where both of you want to go. But there are areas, Ron, where I fucking strike out and I, all of my insecurity and I can't say no, you know, yeah. it's around like for a lot of times it's around women, you know, or around money. Or, that women's the big one, man, for, you know for most, saying? most nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Dude, I want to keep talking about this. I got to run. Yeah. This is great. Let's Good keep one. doing this, dude. Love this conversation. Thanks. Good to see you. Adios. Adios.